Happy Work, Happier Life. Thomas Huang here from Happier with Yamalet Kano, founder of Louder. Today we discuss her unique and exciting journey from ballerina, professional ballerina, to entrepreneur, her experiences joining a small startup and getting acquired, and advice and tips for building your confidence so that you can shine colorfully just like her. So if you're interested, definitely tune in for this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. I'm so glad to be here on a Friday. Yeah, and I love the earrings. Very festive. Thank you. They're from Mexico. I love my colors. I'm always very, very conscious of what I wear in terms of color. Representing. That's awesome. So I'm just going to jump right in. Can you maybe give a brief intro into your background? It's very interesting moving from creative arts ballerina to your own startup. So maybe you can introduce yourself. Well, as you say, I'm Jamilet. I'm originally from Mexico, only child. And I grew up as a ballerina. The first thing I told my mom when I was three, I, I want to go and dance ballet. And she said, are you sure you need to wait for five? And I was like, okay. So then she comes with my cake at five years old and I'm blowing the candles. And I said, now you can take me to <laughs> ballet school. And she's like, oh, she's determined. So ever since, I've always been in love with arts and entertainment that passion that you feel able to express your feelings even without words was always my main thing growing up. Then I decided to start international relations. I have very, very progressive parents and they were always Mm -hmm. telling me, okay, you're a good ballerina, you love doing it, but what happens if you have, I don't know, you break your foot or something happens to you? You do not have anything else to fall in. And I said, well, that's true, but I'm always gonna be a ballerina. Are you going to be a teacher afterwards or a choreographer? And I said, mm, not really. I just want to perform. Well, mm-hmm. think about something else. So then that's why I went to study international relations. I really like languages myself. I try to study several ones. You speak multiple languages, uh, right? Yeah, five. Which I try. Spanish? Spanish, French. French. Italian. Okay. Portuguese and English. Okay, wow. All the Romans languages. I try yeah. Cantonese, but it's so hard. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Very cool. And then, so after that? After that, when, when you finish university, then you have to decide, okay, do I take ballerina job or do I go to any other jobs? Mm-hmm. I did one year of professional dancing. Okay, and then with cool. that experience, I decided, yes, it's true. I love ballet, but I think people have so many other things they can do in life, not to stay in one path. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and there's this girl that has a TED talk called the multi, multi-potentialite. I love that word because you, you can do everything. But when we grow up, especially in countries like in Mexico, they tell you, you need to know what you're going to be for the rest of your life when you're five. Yep. Uh, it's quite daunting, right? So happily with my family, they were always open to my ideas. And I decided to just go for it, go for international relations, try something else worked in the Canadian consulate in one of the cities in, in Mexico, Monterrey, Very in the cool. north. And then I said, this is two in the box, two in case. The things that you learned in the consulate are just for a, a job like that. I mean, mm. it's very security safe. And then you have all the admin that you can actually not translate in other things. So I decided to go crazy, come to Hong Kong in 20, when was this? 2008. Oh, wow. 2008. And a last exchange program with the Chinese university. Okay. And I fell in love ever since. I went back to Mexico to graduate and I said to myself, I have to go back to Hong Kong some way or the other. 
And I was always very drawn to the Asian culture because in Mexico, they used to ask me if I, I was from Asia. Really? I think because of my almond eyes or somehow. And I said, okay, I'm going to go live there, see it by myself. And then I came back in 2011. Stumble with a bunch of very nice people. You know, how is Hong Kong? They interview you, they network, they introduce you to people. So I met another fellow Mexican that lived here already for a couple of years. She mm -hmm. had her events company and we developed a relationship and partnered together to, to grow this company. I didn't know where I was going to be or how I was going to make this because nobody ever told me I could be an entrepreneur. Back in the day, it wasn't mm. a thing. Yep. Yeah, they push you to do your own thing, but it wasn't very clear how, when and where. Mm -hmm. So it was very good relationship because we both like let ourselves thrive. She's a very creative person. And I found that I loved budgets and planning and projections and all these things. So that's how I started my events business here. And that draw me to do more stage things. My clients will ask me, can you MC this event? And I thought, mm -hmm. yeah, I can. I've done radio. I was a ballerina, so it shouldn't be that hard. And again, that spark happened. The yeah. feeling that I was missing from ballet when I retired came back. So I decided to do more and more and more of that, created also a business. And I've been doing MC here in Asia for more than 10 years. Moderation, keynotes, everything that goes around being on the stage. Mm. And a couple of years later, we sold the company to a bigger corporation. So we have to work in-house. And yet again, I go back into working for someone else, the corporation. And I said, mm, this is a good experience, but I think I still want to be the person that has the company. So when mm. that contract ended, I decided to create Louder and open the agency. Wow. So what a journey. That, that, that's in a nutshell, big nutshell. Yeah. It's me. And I just love go out talking to people and now with all that experience I decided to create a program where I teach people how to mm. communicate and you know find their own confident self so they can shine in every situation. So in a sense your mom was right that you became a teacher. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not ballet teacher but yeah some kind of teacher. Yeah, yeah. You definitely give off this creative vibes. I mean, your earrings and your outfit, you actually yeah. made yourself. I did. I did. I also love fashion. All my life I've loved color and fashion. So I have very good tailor in Mexico. I like supporting my country. So mm -hmm. I go there, we pick the fabrics and the designs and she tailors for me. And I like to be kind of a, my more myself on the stage. So this gives you more of that personal branding you can get when you when you are, you know, on yeah. that, sh that spotlight. Yeah. Um, taking a step back. So I get this question a lot as well. What made you come to Hong Kong in the beginning for that exchange? Like out of all the countries, you could have went to Canada, you could have went to Europe. Why Hong Kong? I've never gone where people like to go. Like in New Mexico, it's so popular to go to US or Canada. Mm -hmm. And when I was eight, I went to Canada the first time, but then I started thinking, I need to go places where people normally do not go or wear things that people are afraid of wearing or just trying other things. And uh, So when it came to the exchange program in my university, we had two semesters that we could go abroad. The first mm. one, I went to Brazil. I oh. always loved Portuguese and the culture. And then the second one, again, I had this course called uh, Scenario of Asia Pacific and my professor Renato, he told me, you should go and try and see Hong Kong or any place in Asia. It's amazing. So I said, yeah, why not? I go back to my roots thinking when I was a little kid, everybody told me if I were Asian, 
and I didn't know. I've never seen it. In, mm-hmm. you know, in real life, there are actu- uh, actually there's a lot of Chinese people and Cantonese people in Mexico City, but mm-hmm. you never get that um, connection. So that's why I said, okay, Asia, think Hong Kong, here we go. And <laughs> that's really, I, I didn't think about it twice. Mm-hmm. Also for the university, we had a couple of options and I picked Chung Man Dai Ho. I went to Chinese U and I... Never going to regret it. But it was really a thing of why not? Let's just mm-hmm. go for it. Do people still mistake you here for being Asian? Or does that only happen in Mexico? Uh, sometimes. It depends. And even when I went uh, to Cambodia in 2008, and some uh-huh. people were asking me if I was Cambodian. So I guess really? it could be. I've been mistaken by a lot of things. They normally do not ask me if I'm from Mexico. I don't know if the idea of a Mexican is so different. Yeah, so I went back to Cambodia last year and no one believed I was Cambodian. They thought I was uh, Chinese, um, Japanese, Korean, but so that's so funny (laughs) that we're like mixed. Um, Okay, so I want to dive into this startup, the first one. How did you come up with the idea? I know you worked with your friend. What was that process like? It wasn't, it wasn't my idea. When I came, she already had the company for four or five years open. Okay. So it was more of a partnership and growing it mm-hmm. and, and then finding new ideas on, on how to be present in the market. But it, it wasn't my idea. Okay. Um, and how did you join in? And then what was the process from after you joined to getting it to scale up and then eventually selling it? And what was the thought process in that? We have a lot of entrepreneurs listening and I assume many of them also want to get to that stage where they can be acquired by a larger corporation. We've always knew in one stage or the other, the, the objective was to be sellable. Mm-hmm. But we never thought it was going to come that fast. I think one of the major stoppers of a startup is that you always think you're going to sell your company. So you're just working towards that and perhaps forgetting the creativity side of it or the enjoyment So because we didn't have that, yeah, we knew, okay, one day it will be wonderful to sell this company, but we focus in thriving through creativity and enjoying in a passionate way what we were doing and not thinking only, okay, we're building this company for the sake of money. Yes, it is important to be profitable and we were, but our thrive was always, we want to create good relationships with clients that are going to follow us no matter what. And especially in events, because a lot of things can go wrong. All the time. <laughs> yes. So if you miss something, audio, visuals, the lighting doesn't work, the food people, they don't like it. There's always so many things. And if the relationship with your client is not strong, they're going to change you for $5 mm-hmm. or for may- perhaps a better preposition. And they're not going to come back to you and ask you if you could do that. So that was our main idea to building strong relationships. And that's why our brand was stronger in the market, because we had clients for 10 years all the throughout the 10 years that the company was open. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly the, the person that, that acquired us, the, the person that was looking for the acquisition, making the new diligence, he saw that we had this strong presence rather than, okay, how are the books, the numbers? Obviously this came later, but the biggest thing was that like the hook. Oh, mm-hmm. they have a name. People follow them for a long time. There must be something special in there and building the team. Same thing. We always say, oh, we created a family. We're all together. It sounds very cheesy, but it's actually true. And I, I think especially in Asia, because again, 
people have so many opportunities that they could go from one job to the other very easily without even saying why. Mm-hmm. So we try to be progressive in asking our employees, what do you need? Please speak up. It's okay if we all make mistakes and giving them the responsibility of things so they they will feel empowered too. So it's really about building that relationship with clients and your own employees. Yeah. Um, when you, you said you joined them after four or five years, did you also consider starting your own thing at that time? And what made you decide between joining a more mature startup versus just starting your own? Again, I was never thinking about going into an entrepreneurship. I came to Hong Kong thinking, okay, I could go network and find a job, but then the opportunity happened and I saw that it could be fun too, because we both Mexicans, very similar, but different personalities. So we had that bond. Mm. She was doing things that I wasn't doing and I was doing things that she wasn't doing. So it, it created a great, great bond. And again, as I said, the opportunity I'm saying, okay, here's not, the, it's not a wide canvas because there was something there already, mm. but moving forward, let's make it a wide canvas for both of us. Like that, it was very important to have that type of relationship with someone when you are in a company, especially in a startup. Very complimentary. Yes, correct. How do you build a complimentary team? What advice do you have for startups that are looking to hire the right talent and ensuring that everybody in there clicks and it's going to move forward? And how do you get the right talent to apply for those companies? Go out of the CV. Most people come with big books and they say, okay, here's, this is what I've done. First question, have you seen our website? Do you know what we do? And a lot of people don't. Really? They just, they just apply. Okay. So they couldn't think out of, of the role per se. We had employees that were major in languages or geography or something that had nothing to do with events. Mm. Because we thought about ourselves too. We didn't have that training. Back in our days, there wasn't such an event management bachelor. Now mm. there is. But when we started, there wasn't. It was, a, okay, you just thrown into the thing and go for it. So we tried to see more the personality of the employee and someone that was willing to learn, Mm -hmm. no matter what. Because at the end of the day, this industry, you learn on the go. You have to experience. Someone can tell you in the classroom, okay, the lighting names are this ones, and then you can make this effect and that. But if you do not see it by yourself, it's very difficult Mm -hmm. to expand that horizon. So we were always open and we had, as we say in Mexico, employees from Chile, Mole, and Pozole, which means we have... Chili and the mole and all the color, different colors and also languages. We also have one person once from Switzerland. So it was mm-hmm. all open to anybody that was willing to learn. And I mean, you were there for a few years. You probably faced some obstacles, maybe some failures. Can you share about that? Oh, yeah. There's so many stories that seem like they're not even real. When you order things from China, you order an, a sample first, and then they send you the sample and it's all okay. You're like, oh yeah, I like this. I'm, I'm, I love this vase. It's supposed to be blue and they send you the blue vase. And then you order 500 of them and they come to your office and they're all red or pink or another color. And you're like, what happened there? And they say, oh, we ran out of ink or we don't have the material anymore. So we send you the other one that we think it looks good. But that changes the whole thing about the event because they're theme-based. Yeah. So going back and forward, asking, because I do not speak the language, but my team did. So mm-hmm. it was always like, why they didn't understand? So under- knowing where we the communication was broken was always fun. Sometimes 
one or two days before the event. So finding the solutions, those were always, always big things that happened a lot of the time. And then when you're already in the live event, one of my worst failures, when the audio fails. Mm -hmm. Nobody compliments you when you have good audio or great lighting, but when they fail, everybody's annoyed. There's a little pee from the microphone or the speaker is doing, and then it sounds horrible. So in one New Year's Eve, before countdown, 10 minutes before the countdown, we have mega LED screen, everything was lit up, the DJ was playing and pop. See, that that was the effect. And then we didn't know what was happening. We were running around and the technicians were like, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. So we had to go with it. And the audio came back. And we were like, oh. And then two seconds after again, stop. And everybody was dancing and suddenly we were thinking, oh, countdown is happening in five minutes. What if we do not have the audio? This is going to be a disaster. Yeah. We put it back again. Happened a third time. And I was already on the floor. My client was very kind, actually. He was like, okay, let's grab a drink. There's nothing to do. (laughs) And I thought, okay, nobody knows what's happening. But we have a lot of electrical things here. So let's just disconnect the ones that are not very important. And we just keep the one that is important, which is the DJ and the microphone for the countdown. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. It didn't happen again. We were on time for the countdown. But after that, the feeling of, yeah, we failed. Uh, we failed our client and everybody that was attending the event. And the thing for that is a lot of people ask me, when after failure, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Well, you'd have to be honest and you have to come forward first. So even the night, that night, I told my client, you're going to get a discount. I know it might have not been my own fault, yep. but because the technicians of the company that I hired didn't know what to do, that's what's going to happen. And then from there, the ball was continuing and they appreciated. They weren't happy, but they appreciate the fact that we were forward in mm-hmm. offering a discount and just saying, let's find out what happened. And we did at the end, but it was quite daunting. <laughs> it's about building that relationship. Yes. So I see Tim over there smiling, knowing exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Tim's our morning media guy. <laughs> oh, takes care lose, of all the audio. You lose like 10 years, everything <laughs> happened like that. Thanks, Tim, for making us sound good. Yeah. All right, so your next startup. Um, actually, one more question before going into your next startup. When you were acquired, what made you decide to leave instead of staying in that company and innovating for them? Because, I mean, there's the word entrepreneur now. Yeah. So what was your thinking? Why did you decide to go off instead of just staying there and then helping them innovate? We had quite different approaches. In the beginning... I think everybody had one idea and then after it was a long acquisition in terms of staying there, we had to stay three years there. So there's a moment when people start leaving, when you see that the team that you build start changing jobs emotionally, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. And then what you could do, because when it's a very, very big organization, then there's more compliance and rules. And I don't like to say that I don't follow rules. I actually do because of the ballet, but Having to slow down from, and, and when at my age at that moment, quite young, having to slow down suddenly, it feels like the, you hit your head on the wall. Mm. 
And so that's why I decided to learn state. But I always had that idea that I really, really, really wanted just to go out mm-hmm. and fail myself again and just either was going to be successful or not. But also with the understanding that all the learning that I had in there, it was very valuable. It, it has proven to be. But I never had that feeling, I want to stay here for longer. Mm-hmm. I just went in like that. And it, it happened. For the listeners who are trying to get acquired, what are some things to know during that negotiation for the acquisition? And what should they expect? Should they expect having to work there more than three years, less than three years? What's the typical range? I believe one to two years is standard. Three is already long. I've talked to a couple of founders that have gone through acquisitions themselves too, and they find three years is too long. One year and maybe one year and a half, it's ideal because you're there, you're passing on the knowledge with everybody that's in the, in the other part of the team. And, and it takes a long time. You have to be patient. The acquisition itself, the M&A itself, it took maybe it's nine months for us because mm-hmm. you go back and forth and you want to make sure the team is happy. And this is one of the biggest things. When you create a family and people is happy working for you and the brand, when this changes, there's a lot of emotions. Mm-hmm. So they have to be managed because you don't want to lose them. And there's also a lot of threat because you have the other people. In, in this case, there were already employees from the other company coming and merged with us. So two different cultures, even two different languages, despite the fact that we thought we were similar, it was completely black and white. Mm. So navigating that is very, very important and understanding that not everything is going to be perfect. Some people are going to leave. Some people are going to be unhappy and perhaps it doesn't work or yes, it works. It's successful and everything transpired the way you thought. So I think patience is very, very important. Looking at all the details, but not overanalyzing, because mm-hmm. then that's why some mergers take like years and years and years. And at the end of the day, it's just for us, it was let's, let's do it. Why not? What's the worst that could happen? We build this company. We want our team to grow more because in that moment in time, we were around 12 or 15. And there's always the glass ceiling for some of the specific roles. Mm-hmm. So we thought in the, with this merger, they might have other opportunities that they could not have at the moment in time with us. We weren't looking for it. So it's kind of a sign. And that's why we did it. But patience. Patience. That's what it for me, patience. What are some things you wish you knew beforehand about managing the emotions that could have helped make it more smoother? Or what did you learn from this experience that can help others? That's a good question. Because every individual is different. Exactly. Um, I think we did a great, a good job. Not great. A good job giving the situation because the relationship we had. Mm-hmm. So the emotions had to start being managed by your own self and moving forward to the others. So... What did I learn? I learned that it takes a lot of time <laughs> also to be patient with me. I, ha- I needed to be patient with me because mm-hmm. sometimes you think, okay, this is going to happen and everybody's all excited, but there has to be a moment that you stop, breathe and think about what's happening around you and the next steps, trying to think one or two steps ahead. So emotionally, it was good, good experience. But I could not tell you that this is the serial box rule for managing emotions because it has to do with the person and the relationship that you have with them. 
So again, very important to really build that relationship from day one when people join the team, yeah. the family. Yeah. All right. So your next startup, I'm excited to get into that. From my understanding, you do a lot of coaching, building up confidence, communication, body language, even making sure you look the part. Yeah. I want to get into that because I think it's very useful for people looking for jobs and even for companies. Sort of builds on to what Belinda was discussing on personal branding. Yes. So where to start with this? <laughs> it's very important to know what do you want to put forward? What is the thing that you want to leave behind when you have just the first impression? Because some people have the opportunity to see you several times and some mm. people may not. But those will still talk about you or not. If you don't have a good impression, they just might create a different type of talk. And you don't want that. I love saying, my example is that imagine you have a white wall and you want it to be smooth and very white because once you start getting holes, then you get leaks. And if I tell you my story and you do not understand it, then you're going to go and tell my story to someone else in a different way. And then mm -hmm. we get that. What's the game? The, the, broken, the, the broken telephone. Yeah. And then someone at the end might meet me one day and they already had that idea of the, the several people that spoke about me. And if they have a bad impression, it's very difficult to delete that impression. So mm. I might come and say, hey, how are you? And you're looking at me. I thought someone told me she's crazy. But because I didn't build that face to face, someone built that brand for me along the way. That's why it's very, very important to be confident, to understand what you want to put forward, because other people are going to talk about you, mm -hmm. good or bad. And we need to be consistent, consistent, consistent. So that brand resonates in a way every time similarly. I say, I'm, my brand is colorful and passionate. And if I come here today and I'm old in dressing black <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, it's so happy to see you. Thank you for having me. You'll be like, mm, this doesn't resonate. Yep. I need to put forward in everything that I do, my voice, my mannerisms, the way that I look at you, I approach you and what I'm wearing. And even things like, I'm, I'm showing you this, my cards, my business cards, they're all like so colorful, colorful, right? This also breaks the tension when you're in an event. They say, okay, business cards. I understand that in Asia, it's very important to give business cards. But what is going to take the part to, for them to remember me? First color, and then my game, I say to them, here it is, <laughs> choose one. And people are already like, oh, is this a test? A personality test or what? Depending on the color that you pick. Not really. It's just a conversation starter. So pick one. Green. Green. For sure. I knew, I knew you were going to like green. Julio, Jellock, I think we need new business cards that are more colorful. <laughs> got, got some competition. <laughs> so build, and I have to say, Belinda helped me with this a lot because I have this idea. I knew my colors were pink, green, and orange. But then when it came for the logo, there is this little, we call it the five icon that didn't have the other circles in the middle. It was just an O. And Belinda came and told me, you know, you need something that pops up. And that good. circle, we're going to take it everywhere you go. So I have it for louder. I have it for my speaking because also my, my last name is Cano. So mm -hmm. I have that O that I can utilize the same way that I do it with louder. And then the second thing she said, you need to put your name. This is your brand by you. People already know your name because they met you or they heard about it or it's a difficult name. So they kind of stick with it. 
Because if you just give them this and they don't understand this is by you, it's going to be more difficult to build that brand. And I said, oh, that makes sense. So you start connecting the dots. And that's why it's also very important to talk to people that have the expertise in other things that you may not. You have an idea as, a, as an entrepreneur or founder, but it's important to connect, to go out, to, to ask for feedback, ask questions. We're always afraid where we're going to get back, but this is the way to learn. And then you start building up and polishing those ideas and polishing your own brand. One of my exercises as a coach is to ask my coaches to have a presence audit. What does this mean? We all have a presence. Mm -hmm. We think, I think that I'm super tall and smart and da da da. That's my own idea. But what happens with other people's perception? It's very difficult to know. Mm -hmm. So with this exercise, they go out, they ask colleagues, family members, what do they think about them? So they're confronted with that mirror that we all dread. Nobody likes yep. to be in front of the mirror and see how they look like. But this is a way to see how you look like in the eyes of others. And then look at the strengths and the weaknesses, compare them, create a pattern and work on the strengths, not on the weaknesses, not thinking, okay, I'm going to delete this weakness or make it. No, think about how utilizing your strengths, it's going to undermine the weakness. Mm -hmm. So it's all about feedback, going out, asking, and not being afraid. Because we're not, most entrepreneurs, we think we have the best idea ever. When it comes to tech, maybe you've created something that has, not, it has never existed before. But when it's a startup about service or arts, we are just trying to polish something that already exists. Mm -hmm. And how are we going to do it? By asking what people want. And I go back, be patient, because we just want to rush, 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 rush. And time, believe me, it, it gives you better results. I do have a question. You mentioned the scenario earlier where somebody heard something from someone about you and it wasn't the best. How do you get rid of the this? Impression. Yeah, the impression beforehand. Beforehand, I mean, as I said, you have to build your brand and be consistent enough so you don't get the holes in your little white wall. If that happens, then you also have to be patient with the other person's uh, timing and own behavioral range. We all have a range and we decide if whether I let you in my range or your range is shorter, so then I have to be flexible. So by taking your time and understanding the other person's perspective, then you, you have a strategy on whether, how do I expand their idea of my range? Mm -hmm. I'm very colorful, I open my arms, I wanna come and hug you, but you're not a hugger. And you heard I'm a hugger, so you're already like, I, don't, I really don't want to meet her. So what do I do? Obviously, I'm not going to come and hug you in the first meetup because that's going to scare you. But eventually, I would like you to understand that hugging could be nice. Mm -hmm. You will decide, but I want to put this forward because that's why I'm a hugger. So slowly working on it, I will introduce different things so you get to experience. So I'll come and say, hey, how are you? Just tap on the shoulder, and the next day, maybe something different until the time that you accept that and you will come and hug me first. That's good. But that would, that would be your own acceptance of my range. And the power of that is amazing because then there's always an understanding, there's respect, and there is appreciation. I appreciate your way, then I'm accepting it. Because if you start with, I need to accept, then there's just like a wall there. I want to appreciate and then accept. 
I think I need to try that out with my mom. <laughs> my family doesn't hug, but for some reason, I'm a huge hugger. So that's really good to know. Yeah, slowly but surely. <laughs> um, you mentioned being able to get feedback. For many of us, it's quite hard to hear stuff we don't want to hear. Yeah. So how can we better prepare ourselves to receive feedback and improve on that instead of being defensive and then doing the opposite? Look at yourself in the mirror and talk to yourself. See how your facial expressions move. Those micro facial expressions are a lot. They're super, super important because it's very... I refrain from that. It's easier to control your speech because you prepare the content, but it's not as easy to control your body language because sometimes when someone tells you something you don't like, you're like, you have the eye rolling or the twitch, you know, like something happens in our body language that it's quite complex to manage it and to be an expert on that. You, you need to train. So if you don't have that, the mirror is great. You are, at least can see how does your face move, how are you feeling comfortable with your body language? And then you go and try it out. So if someone is telling you something you don't like and you know it, then you have to find a comfortable position for your body in order to stop the reaction, the initial reaction you may have. And the second thing is to breathe. I love breathing exercises because it does calm you. So breathe from your belly, not from your chest, and have that... Mm, big energy and air coming through your lungs. There is uh, this great TED speaker, Caroline, and she says that breath is thought. We think in the in-breath and we speak in the out-breath. So if you think about a good emotion when you're breathing in, you're going to speak out with that emotion. I think about love and then I cannot stop smiling. If I think about love, I'm going to say something out of love. If I think about happiness, there you go. So, and just be open and flexible and saying, I know this person is going to maybe tell me something I do not want to hear, but the openness, the flexibility will make you already one step ahead. Because the people that are not afraid of the bad are the ones that could have better results too. Speaking of confidence and how breathing can help, what are some other tips you have for people who may not be as confident in themselves and their companies to really improve? One would be to get a coach or a mentor. Before, in the past, people would think, oh, if you, if you were to have a coach or a mentor, it's because you're not that good, then you have to be educated. But if you see in history, athletes, we always have coaches and mentors, and you could not see 100% what you're doing without someone else telling you perhaps a strategy. As a ballerina, we train in front of the mirror because that this is our greatest coach. But then you also have the teacher that is telling you, looking at you, you know, your turnaround is not as good and your leg came here because you cannot see it yourself when it's happening. Why don't everybody else does the same? When we go out of university, they tell us, now it's on you, you learn by yourself and that's it, by osmosis. Having a mentor or a coach is great. They are more objective and a lot of the times because they, they could have a relationship with you, but they really do not care. I mean, they're not your parents. So they will tell you things in a blunt way and that will make you analyze. The second thing, breathing. Start some breathing techniques, understanding that breath is very important and the way that we feel. The third thing is knowing your content. And for that, you need to prepare. 
you need to prepare, prepare, prepare before a meeting. People normally think, oh, it's a five-minute minute, so I'm not going to prepare. It is very important to know the intention that you want to have when you go in and talk to someone. If you want the meeting to be fun, then you're going to have to choose body language that is fun, words that are fun, and then tools that are fun, like PowerPoint. Instead of a normal PowerPoint, you use Prezi or an animation or, or a video. If you want the meeting to be very formal and up to the part, well, you're going to have to wear a suit. Set the stage with theater seating, perhaps. And you're thinking about every element. Because again, it should be consistent enough that people talk about what you want them to talk about. And my last tip, that's why I brought this, are my pencils. And I brought also one green colorful. for you. Yeah, <laughs> green for you. I love Thank my you. pink. You know about this, enunciation. It makes such a difference when we feel confident on the way we sound. Do you put it in your mouth like this? And then you practice what you don't know how to say. So say the speech. Hello, Thomas, how are you? It's so nice to see you today. What happens if I take this out? Hello, Thomas, how are you? So very nice to see you today. What happens if I take this out? My mouth is working harder when you have the pencil in. Your tongue is also working harder. It's like when you go to the gym and then you are, you know, supporting your muscles. With the pencil, you relax, first of all, after having it out, you relax your muscles. So then you can open your mouth more. We're not afraid of opening our mouths. We need to open our mouths in order to have a strong, powerful sound. If I talk like this all the time, you don't understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah. I'm not opening my mouth. Who knew hunters could be so usual? I think I need some practice with that. It is practical. And oh. it, you see the results right away. So I love, this is one of my superpowers, favorite tool in the world. Because before a speech, you practice, you practice, you practice, and then you go on the stage, you enter the meeting, whatever you have to do, or even online, and already your brain connects. I'm sounding good. I'm feeling good. And I'm looking good. So it's like that triangle of making yourself prepare. So you set the context for winning. And when things don't go the way you want, because a lot of the times happens, then you are more prepared to get your nerves in control, to know when to breathe, to think about a possible solution by stopping. So it's, it's all like a little circle. And then you finish the circle and then you go back again and again and again until it's so normal for you that you have a habit. I, I still love doing this, but if it, I do not have time, now I know my mouth is so used to open, to be open and wide, that I'm not worried about maybe not knowing how to pronounce something. And if I don't, my last day will be just be fun and comical. We all have, if, if, if English is not your first language, we all have accents, perhaps we mistaken some words, it's just, Understand that we are vulnerable and human beings, and we do make mistakes and just have fun with it. Wow, it's amazing. I never knew a pencil could be used uh, for that. You know. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're talking on the radio. Yeah. So speaking of career coaches, where can people connect with you, learn more about you, and yeah, just find out more? Well, I have my website at louderglobal.com and also for my speaking engagements, Jamilet Cano MC. And on Instagram, I have both accounts too. And WhatsApp, I love WhatsApping and calling and meeting up for a coffee. 
and just face-to-face when it's possible. Hopefully after a couple of weeks, we can start to do this more, but also online. I do online training. I have a couple of clients somewhere around the world. So it's all about connecting. You can go to the website and I have all my, my personal number there. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us. So many great tips and advice today. I learned many new things. <laughs> I'm going to practice more. Of yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Yamalette. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure, Damas, to have me here and also for happier to approach me. And it's just so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.